All right, we're back on Unanchored, and on today's show is Hus Madhavji and Zam. This is a guy both you and I know, but if we had to introduce him really quickly, what is Hus? Who is Hus? What does he do? Uh, actor and host. I think that's the best way to describe him. And really nice uh, guy. Exactly, yeah. Uh, most of all, most importantly of all, a great guy to hang out with and a great guy to, to just sit and chat with. Welcome back to Unanchored. I'm Shahid Devji. Zam Kareem is here with me, as you can see. And Zam, you're yet again in another locale. This is background, what, I don't know, episode five, maybe, and background, what, five, probably? Background, background five, and, and as we get into our interview, we'll have a different background. So uh, <laughs> I, I think this is going to be a more stable, more permanent background. Uh, this is We're back in Coquitlam, uh, Coquitlam, BC here, and uh, at, in, at my parents' house as if you you've been following that's your parents uh, house? along this is this is this your is, old this is your old room i've been in this, this room is, this is not my old room. Oh, okay. this is my sister's old bedroom i haven't been in your sister's in. room okay so just to clarify <laughs> <laughs> but it, this has now been converted to the office uh slash guest room so but yeah so i i've now got a nice setup as you can see behind me uh there is a a, a photograph of the Lionsgate bridge which i took and and have since mounted on the wall yeah uh, uh, we, we, we were out there taking those photos together and we both printed them out on the, on the same type of canvas uh, that's a good one i I've, i'm looking at one right here on the other side oh, of my nice. screen and unfortunately i can't uh, show it on camera because i'd have to <laughs> rip my camera off the computer but anyways that looks good you take that yeah, other picture it, of the the taxi and the couple dancing in the rain <laughs> no definitely that one i did not take uh, that one it's must be a print from somewhere. I have no idea where that one's from, but uh, it's nice to, to feel comfortable in a in a place first of all that has good internet. Yeah. So that's it. That's a good sign. Second of all, um, I have a nice setup and a quiet space where, well, I'm the only one here right now, so it's a quiet place to be. Yeah. Me on the other hand, um, there's some yelling downstairs. The kids are, are are going wild, and and Sheba, who has been sick for like she's my wife, if I haven't said her name in the first few episodes, but she's been sick for what five days now, and this is literally the first half an hour I've had to myself in five days, and instead of uh, going for a shower or going for a bike ride or just like closing my eyes, we're doing this because we're committed. <laughs> um, the other few half an hours I've had, I've I've been working, so <laughs> yeah, because I've been taking sick days too. This is it's been crazy. It's been crazy, but. Um, Luckily, everyone's relatively healthy. Um, we don't oh, have to get too yeah. too far into that. But yeah, man, we've called the ambulance way too many times in our family over the last <laughs> few years. It's no good. Oh, no. Oh, no. I hope Sheba is okay. Ob yeah. Obviously, if you guys need, you know, we're, we're, we're old friends and we've been friends for a long time. So, you you know, you can call upon me if you guys need yeah. anything. What I usually so. am, uh, end up doing with you and, and don't feel bad about it. It's like, okay, yeah, we can't record the podcast. Sorry. <laughs> sorry to keep you waiting. Oh, sorry. We're not golfing this Thursday. Uh, that's yeah, that's that what I end up doing. Um, <laughs> well, but it's yeah. funny. I was thinking yesterday that, uh, you know, a couple of days after your grandfather passed away, um, and you know, heavy times with funerals and family and such, uh, you, you were on the podcast and not easy to do, especially cause you're so emotionally drained and, um, they're different, but there are parallels, uh, here with, you know, just the last few days for me. Um, and yet I, I feel like there was no way I was going to get on this podcast today just because there was like no time, but uh, so kudos to you for, for actually jumping on during that time. You can't imagine how hard that was. 
Oh, thanks. But I think it's harder when you have other humans running around the house screaming. I think that it's hard. uh, That's for sure. Yeah, I can can imagine. I can't imagine that at this point. Uh, But it's good that we're able to get get this going again. We're really excited to 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 bring our conversation uh, that of our guest with our guest today, who's Madhavji from a friend of ours that we met in Toronto. What, like? eight years ago almost eight years ago or nine years ago yeah i was in, i was in toronto 2011 yeah so that yeah, was yeah. that was nine years ago now i was there uh january 2011 until till september 2011 and and so yeah uh, right around this time nine years ago is, is when we both met him all we were all broadcasters we were all doing an education uh uh event a that seminar, you had yeah. yeah you had organized and brought us in for and um that was a lot of fun and and um, he on on the side was uh, was moonlighting as an actor, and we'll get into that. But um, you know, it, it's interesting if you follow Hoos on social media uh, these days, and we're recording this in in June of 2020. Um, you know, his the tone of his social media presence has has changed uh, a little bit. You know, he's a, a really positive, uh, you know, happy guy, but he's a very honest guy too, and mm-hmm. and a very righteous guy as well, and. Um, with all that has been going on in the world uh, around the Black Lives Matter movement um, and um, with his, uh, I guess, involvement in the uh, entertainment industry, both in, in the States and Canada and him being a Toronto guy and, and you know that being such a multicultural place, he's got such a tie to, to that community and he's been speaking um, out and for uh, Black Lives. And, and so, you know, I, I'm, I commend him for doing that. And I would I would go and follow him because he's been sharing some really really good information, um, and and it's too bad we uh, we recorded that that interview uh, you know a few weeks prior and, and didn't have a chance to talk to him about you know his involvement in this movement because um, you know I think he would have a lot of interesting things to say. Oh, for sure, and I, I and I'm pretty sure we're going to get him on again at some point to ha- to to have more conversations and ha- share different stories. So we talked with him for pro- about an hour uh, a little while back, and and also we should before we move on we should also thank him for uh connecting us to donovan bennett who we had on the podcast a couple weeks ago who uh has been active and writing about the black lives matter and And speaking uh, about it everywhere for sure mm -hmm. yeah no that that was a big help for sure from hoos and um yeah, he, he hooked us up and, and Donovan was gracious as well with his time. Uh, really good conversation. If you haven't heard that yet with uh, Sportsnet's Donovan Bennett uh, doing some some great advocacy work uh, on, on the Black Lives Matter movement and, and keeping it front and center, really, because that's the real that's the most important thing. And, uh, you know, since that uh, episode that we recorded, you know, I talked about starting to read a book um, called So You Want to Talk About Race. I watched Selma, which is a really important movie and story uh, directed mm-hmm. by Ava DuVernay and, uh, and about Martin Luther King and, and his um, his efforts in um, Selma, <laughs> Selma, Alabama. Right. Uh, to, you know, in one of the most, I guess, racist places at the time. And um, I uh, that was available for free to watch. And I think mm-hmm. it still is. And uh, I I recently watched the documentary 13th. Or the thirteenth, which is yes. also a, 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 a Ava DuVernay directed and and, and produced uh, documentary, and a really good background on the history of you know racism, anti-black racism in in the states, and a lot of stuff I had no idea about. So um, 
you know, we want to continue the conversation too. And, and like I said, I'm sure Hoos would have wanted to chat about that too. Uh, and that's the disclaimer I wanted to throw out there because it's not like we we uh, we didn't ask him the question. We just uh, recorded it a bit prior. But hopefully moving forward, we, we continue to talk about this with all new guests. For sure. And, and we should also mention that uh, this episode comes following uh, the commemoration of Juneteenth. And yeah. Juneteenth was uh, cel- was commemorated last Friday. It's the the day uh, where the where, where where black slaves in the United States were uh, were freed from indentured servitude. And we've seen uh, what's happened as a result of that that the freedom they haven't necessarily enjoyed the same freedoms as as other people in the United States and and this is what the Black Lives Matter movement is is working towards throughout throughout the United States and 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 into Canada as we've seen tens of thousands of people have come together uh for protests in 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 uh all the major cities Vancouver uh Montreal Toronto for sure and and probably elsewhere across the country as well uh but Yes, we're not going to forget about w- yeah. what's been going on, uh, going on uh, around the world as we transition and 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 have this conversation with with who's today and, and others. You know, we've pre-recorded for sure, and, and and I think that's what the the introduction portion of of this podcast can do. You know, we can continue continue to talk about these things and um and and then continue to share some of the pre-recorded episodes. But um, yeah, that's uh. That's our disclaimer, quote unquote, to, for for the interview coming up. If you know what what we want to do now is is kind of shift our focus to talk about uh, Hoos and and share that conversation with you. Uh, you know, aside from Hoos being a friend of ours, Zam, why did you want to talk to Hoos? What was interesting uh, about the prospect of talking to him as a guest on the podcast? Well, from all my conversations with him, and and uh, during that time period where uh, we were all living in Toronto, and I would see him. Uh, somewhat regularly him and other media personalities in toronto i would see them uh, like every like even upwards of like once a week uh going to the mosque is he like us is is an ismaili uh muslim uh and and so i'd see him from time to time at, at the mosque in toronto always like always had a smile on his face always uh was so gracious with his time and and so I was a young broadcaster at the time and, and Hoos was always so gracious with his time and such a chill, chill guy to chat with. And, and just someone that, that I wish I ha- would have had more time to just hang out with. And, and this was our opportunity via social distancing, via three internet connections, one from, one from uh, uh, the Okanagan, one from Vancouver and one from Toronto for us to kind of catch up a little bit after not, seeing each other in, in many years. I think the last time I saw him was in 20, 2014 at another event at the Aga Khan Center in, in, in Toronto uh, that our other friend Nabil uh, was at as well. So it was, it was cool cool to catch up with him again after all these many years. Yeah, I, I don't think I had seen him since uh, since that, that event we were talking about, and we'll talk to him about that as well, And um, but certainly kept in touch and, and followed his career because when, when we first uh, met him, I, I didn't know that he was into acting, that he was pursuing that. We, we all had that mutual connection of, of broadcasting, being journalists and hosts. And um, when I found out he was an actor was when uh, I saw him literally on, on Saving Hope just pop up on my TV screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, and that was pretty cool. And then I followed his career since. And, um, you know, he's living the dream, you know, me being kind of a, a budding filmmaker, so to speak. And then I say that as, as loosely as possible because, um, you know, since my film last summer, I haven't done a whole lot, but, um, you know, it is something I want to pursue. And, 
Uh, so it's been it's been cool to watch him kind of progress in the industry there and, and work with some cool people on some cool projects. And um, the other reason I wanted to get him on is because I and I've told him this. Um, he's next time he's coming on, he's bringing Jason Priestley with him. So uh, uh, yes. he was on yeah. Call Me Fitz, uh, which <laughs> is a Jason Priestley show. And um, maybe he'll bring Dan and Eugene Levy with him too. So, just reminding we'll you. I'm just reminding you who's that's that's yeah. next. <laughs> and we'll, we'll sign him up as our third co-host. Yeah, exactly. All right. So why don't we get into it then? <laughs> who's of G is a doctor. Well, not actually. He but he's played one many times on TV. He's a Canadian actor and television personality who may be best known for his role as Doctor Shahir Hamza on CTV's Saving Hope. At least he is for me. While theater and the arts were always in his life throughout childhood, he started his career on TV as a journalist and a host after attending Ryerson University and taking the radio and television arts program. He started his career as a television reporter and anchor both in Canada and in the States before landing a gig as one of the hosts of Star Daily, a popular Canadian entertainment show. And that's when the stars started to align. Hoos was always acting, often moonlighting in theater, but... As his hosting career progressed, so too did his acting career, and he eventually landed a recurring role on DirecTV's Call Me Fitz, starring another familiar Canadian personality, Jason Priestley. And if you're old enough, like us, you'll remember him from 90210. From there, Hoos' acting career took off, and he has since been splitting time between Hollywood and Toronto, which some call Hollywood North, but I'll, I'll save that term for Vancouver. And in addition to playing a doctor in Saving Hope, he also did so on Combat Hospital and How to Buy a Baby. He recently had a role in one of Canada's biggest recent comedies, Shit's Creek, and plays Mentor Watts in Utopia Falls on CBC Gem. It's a good resume, but above it all, Hoos is a grounded, kind, and compassionate human being whose journey shows that you can do things the right way and still succeed. So we're really happy and excited to welcome Hoos to Unanchored. All right, Hoos, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been a, it's been a while oh. since we've all chatted. Um, do you remember when the three of us and and ESPN anchor and our first unanchored guest Nabil Karim all met together? Do you remember that? Yeah, wasn't it like a career? It was like a career thing for high school students. I feel. Yeah, absolutely. I think Zam was saying it was in September of 2011, which is getting on almost oh, wow. 10 years ago now, and um, a career I, thing. And, and and maybe we were all in different careers at that that point <laughs> than we are now. Yeah, good point. Um, so, um, but yeah, it was for our community. It was for like, yeah, I think we were sort of giving advice to like, it was just like, it was like, it was, it felt like it was one of those things that was not just for people who were interested in broadcasting, but just kids who were just curious about anything. And they were, they were like, it was like a sort of like a round robin full of things. And you, I think I might've jumped into your station. I do yeah, remember I that. I do remember that. Yeah. I had organized, uh, to put together that journalism broadcast room and we had kids do like a cold read yeah uh, yeah and it, it was fun yeah far nostril was there as well i remember that that was like it was, it was great man it was such a cool yeah. it was like a wonderful thing that i think we did i don't know if we gave good advice <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny none of us are <laughs> the, well, none of us are in that world anymore that's so true. It's like, okay, guys, have fun in broadcast. Bye-bye. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting how much has, has changed. I think we were all kind of working in broadcasting, you as a television host. Uh, it seems like ages ago. Obviously, now you're a, a working actor. And um, I'm wondering, would you say if 
that is a dream come true. Um, was that always a dream? Like when we were in, in that education fair, did you have your eyes on being an actor? Because I know that you, you've, you've had an interest in it uh, your, your entire life, right? Uh, that's right, yeah. Um, so in 2011, I'd already been acting. I was already on a show called Call Me Fitz, um, which, only, which took up uh, 11. Now, I think by that time I was doing Call Me Fitz, another show called Combat Hospital. Right. Right. Um, so I'd already been acting, but I had, I'd been broadcasting for such a long time in comparison to how much I'd been acting in 2011. So it's, it was such a, such a big part of my identity. Um, but yes, being an actor, um, working in the arts and to be honest, all of it has been a dream come true because even growing up, I was like, I was doing speeches and hosting, but I was performing as well. So the, I, the fact that I'd been able to do both things professionally um and yeah i think has, has been a dream come true for sure and 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 now what's happening with me is like now i'm evolving into like obviously the acting stuff's going and it's great but now it's it's content development and it's like i'm, I'm trying to create tv shows now and that's sort of like the new like the extension of, of, of what i'm what i'm doing nice well i definitely want to touch on that as we as we get along here I have- but i want to start with the uh it's not the elephant in the room, but it is quite big, and and it's yeah. your most recent role, at least publicly that we've seen, and and that's on on Shit's Creek, one of the uh, latest episodes on Shit's Creek. Yeah. Um. You know, you played a a venture capitalist, so to speak, and um. Yeah. I, I'm I'm one. I, even though I'm a couple seasons behind, I had to risk the spoilers because I wanted to see you alongside awesome. the legend uh, Eugene Levy and and that the rest awesome. of that great cast. Such a great show. I love it. If you hadn't felt like you made it until then, do you feel like you made it by being on that show alongside that cast? Um, that show, yeah. First of all, that show is uh, is awesome. It's celebrated. It's a gift. It was just such a gift to be a part of it. Um, what was cool about the, the thing is, I, I was I was well aware of the show even before it it came out. Like I auditioned for actually one of my really good friends, Rizwan Manji, who I you guys you should interview him as well. When you get a chance, um, he plays the real estate agent in the on Shit's Creek. Ray Butani, right? Ray Butani. So him and I were up for the exact same role when it first came out. It was just the two of us. It sounded the two of us, and and he's he's listen. He's very talented and very funny. So I was well aware of the show even before it kind of because uh, it hit in the states. Like it was sort of like this fun little thing that was happening in Canada, and then it just like took off like bonkers um, in the U.S. And I was like, holy crap! Like this show is like just insane but then when I went on like I actually went to go visit Riz on set when because he would come to Toronto and the entire like I knew some of Dan I've known for a while because him and I hosted an Oscars special like years ago when he was at MTV and I was at Star and a lot of the behind the scenes people like the like a lot of the like a lot of like the engineers and like the like the like you know just the, the, the people like the crew of Shit's Creek a good portion of them had were on Saving Hope, which was the hospital show that I was on. So when I went to go act on, be to be on set, it felt very comfortable, and it was like, it felt just very much like a lot of it was like a reunion, a lot of it was a little surreal because the other venture capitalist, his name is Matt Wells, he was at much more music. So the, it was such a, it was like it was Dan, Matt, and I just sort of having a mini reunion. Like Dan, this is crazy that this is your show. <laughs> it's so Canadian. <laughs> And so Canadian, and we used to all work in the, this building, like on, on Queen Street in Toronto. It was just such like a, that was that was so bizarre. And then of course Eugene Levy comes on, and then there's like holy 
absolutely the guy's a legend like it's just it was just um and then of course even like like chris elliott like it's just like this whole every it was just all of its um that part was surreal because you're trying to do a good job and then you're like she's i'm working along like he's this is it was, it was that part was crazy to be on set and to have that like to be in the same scene as those guys was was surreal but the idea of like making it i don't even know what that like, I don't know what that means. I, this, this, you know, because you know, you're constantly like you're trying to you're trying to stay afloat and you're trying to do the next thing. And I just think it's important to you know be thankful and be appreciative of those moments, which I am, because a lot of it felt full circle. Some of it felt very new and kind of like pinch myself. And then you just hope you do a good job, and then and then that's it. And, just, and then you're you're trying to work towards the next thing. Yeah. And hopefully, the next thing has the same kind of experience. And you just keep going. It's a great answer for, and I wouldn't have expected anything different from you in terms of that gratefulness. Uh, we all know you to be such a such a good dude, and it's it's funny how oh, you're, you're you're playing not not such a good dude <laughs> dude in that in that role. Oh yeah, on that show, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, that was fun to play. Mm-hmm. But thank you. No problem. I guess you played something like that on uh, Call Me Fitz as well, eh? Like a sort of someone who has somewhat of an edge. Yeah, and Fitz, he was like a, just a guy. He just wanted to make a lot of money and wanted to take down um, the compete. It was a, it was a good, I was playing a, a car, the owner of a car dealership, myself and uh, my friend Sean Shetty. We're both like car, car dealership owners across the street from Fitzpatrick Motors, which was owned by uh, Jason Priestley's, Priestley's character. We hated them. We hate, like we just, our characters hated those characters and we would just want to, we would do anything anything to take them down and it was sort of like this rivalry for for four seasons that show was such a blessing that show was like i learned so much on that show and that was like it was such it was like you know when you're on a show like that for four years and working with such like incredibly funny and talented um actors and the writing is just like just outstanding and a lot of those writers are just doing some incredible things now so um that was like a total gift like every time i look back at that i'm like wow man i like that was huge did very you, very lucky did you have any moments uh, on that show or, or or maybe at other times in your acting career where where you're like whoa um this is this is kind of surreal obviously jason Priestley, i i watched him That's on 90210 awesome. i'm assuming you might have as well was there a moment like that for you that stands out where you're kind of now rubbing shoulders with um you know the people you watched yeah well with, with jason specifically he was like he's the like he's the star of the show also one of the producers of the show. Um, and it was sort of, he was, what I got from just even in, in my conversations with him, and I've hung out with him a few times since then, like and had dinners and, and, and just like in my, my experience with him is that this guy is, he works very hard, does not take it for granted. And he's very talented. Like he's talented in the sense that he knows how to bring it. And then he knows, and he knows all aspects of, of production. So he has directed me on Call Me Fitz, and on Saving Hope. And he wasn't even, he was never even in Saving Hope, but he, has, he was our director. So he's very good in the sense that he just works very hard, really kind, really generous with his time. And it was more about like, this is crazy. Like you're this actor who had this, who has had such great acclaim from such a very young age. But then you're sort of, I was sort of like, wow, like I love the fact that he is con- he has constantly been pushing himself as a filmmaker, and as a storyteller and as the lead of like different television shows. So he's like an inspiring guy that way. 
a surreal moment that I had for sure was, I just remember like it was the first season of Call Me Fitz and I just finished hosting Star. Like a Star had just, I think, but it was definitely a few months since I'd been like on television as a broadcaster. And when you're the host of a show, you're like the man, like you're like the, the, the main person on the show, like me and my co-host Dina at the time. But it's like any show that like you're just kind of like, you're the face of this thing. Like you're the number one on that show. And on Call Me Fits, I was number seven on the call sheet. Jason's number one. And I think it was like a, we were shooting something on our, at our car dealership lot. And Sean, who plays my cousin on the show, Sean Shetty plays my cousin on the show. It was getting very stressful because the lights were, the sun was coming down. We had to get the shot. The shot was on me. And Sean's like, dude, are you okay? Are you feeling stressed? Like, you want me to, I'm like, no, man. And I was just looking around like, no, man, this is like, this is great. Like, I did not want to be anywhere else. I didn't want to be on set hosting a show. I didn't want to be anywhere else. I wanted to be right there. I was completely comfortable with the stress. And I was just so grateful to be number seven on this show as opposed to number one on this, on this, um, uh, on, on, on host, host, hosting the other show. So I remember that having a moment of gratefulness at that exact moment, the first year of, of that of that show. It's interesting that you should say that because, as, as you know, I've I've just written and directed my first short film. Yes, I, I've been congratulations, working. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. And no, thank I'm you for your help yeah. for uh, kind of you, you looked at the script early on and, and kind of helped me with some ideas. But um, um, in doing that, obviously I've been broadcasting and working marketing and, and a bunch of things. Um, but this is my first exposure to, to sort of narrative filmmaking and, um, in being in that environment, I, I, you know, I felt like I should have been really stressed cause you know, we had a crew cast and crew of like 30 people. It's the first time I'm doing this. A lot of people donated to the fundraising and, um, obviously a lot of pressure there, but I felt like I was right in my element. There was no pressure. It's like, this is what I've been waiting for. And it, it, it similar to what kind of you were talking about there, obviously on a different scale. But, um, so I, I didn't know that I always wanted to do that, but once I was there, I, I figured it out quite quickly. When did your dream become your dream? Like how have you always wanted to know that kind of, this is where you wanted to be? I know you talked about performing for a long time, but you know, this is a very specific type of performing. Um, have I always wanted to, um, I don't know if I always wanted to be like an actor on television. I think for me, I was like, I used to do a lot of acting in school, like musicals and like, like a lot of theater in high school. And, <clears throat> and I, and concurrently I would host like, you know, the fashion show or whatever, like in high school. Um, but then I wanted, I really wanted to go for, go to theater school. And, but my parents were like, you're crazy. Like that's not happening. <laughs> Brown parents. Um, brown parents. Uh, but, the, but the thing is, I understand. Like, I, I, it's not easy. Like, it's not an easy, like, being a filmmaker, being an actor, any, anything. I mean, listen, I don't think anything is easy nowadays. But at least back then, it just was not easy. And I just imagine if I had kids, if my kids said to me, like, hey, dad, I want to follow your footsteps. I'd be like, um, let's, let's look at science for a sec. I know, I feel like I would even say that right now. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, it's a struggle, man. And it, and it, and, and so I definitely understand where my parents were coming from, but my sister Jamila at the time was working at Ryerson and she was, um, uh, she, she was working. She was, I think she was like, oh, she was the type of person that would go to different high schools and like, you know, at, at that time in her career, she was like showcasing the school. And she was like, listen, there is a program at Ryerson University that is that will kind of fulfill his sort of need to be on TV called Radio and Television Arts. Maybe he'll become a broadcaster. Who knows? But it's sort of like he'll get a job. And my parents were okay with that. 
that in itself was like a battle just to get into that program, a very competitive program. Getting into that was awesome. And then I just became a broadcaster. And then I thought that would be the thing. I thought that would be the thing that would just satisfy my need. And I would kind of shut that sort of acting bug and not really care about it. But it just didn't happen. Like, didn't matter what, like I, I was a broadcaster in different cities and each city I'd be like, I wonder if I can act here. I wonder if I can act here. Like I would tr constantly try to, to fulfill that bug. And, that, and then when I had the opportunity, I, I just went for it. So, Would you say journalism was a safer choice than acting at the time? At the time, yeah. Which is such a bizarre thing because it's like such, I have such respect, like such respect for journalists and broadcasters. And that in itself is a crazy skill and I'm so happy to have it. But at that time it was like, it was a compromise. Like, even like once I finished school, I remember like I had my VHS tapes and my demo reel of all like the, all my standups and all that stuff. Like, you know, trying to, trying to like emulate broadcasters on TV just so I could get a job. And I applied for everything, man. I applied to be like a weather person. I applied to be an investigative reporter. I applied to be just like a regular reporter. And I just, I happened to be an entertainment reporter. And then that's the thing that just sort of took me wherever it took me. And it, if that didn't happen, I don't know, like it was such a, like, it was not at all directed. It was not at all by purpose. It just happened. Whereas acting and what I'm doing now, I feel like it's very much like, I feel very much in control of my choices and the choices that I make, I hope lead to things that I really want to accomplish doing what I'm doing. If you had the choice again, would you have gone down the route of journalism still or, or would you have gone directly into acting? It's a great question. Um, I don't. I, I just. I kind of like this journey because I'm, I've met some incredible people along the way. I do feel like. I do feel like that experience in a newsroom or the experience of just interviewing somebody is a skill in itself. Um, I remember for like uh, the World Partnership Walk here in Toronto, I brought the cast of Saving Hope on stage with me as my co-host, I was like, hey, and my co-host is gonna be the, you know, the cast of Saving Hope. And it was like such a cool thing. But the cast was like, they're, they're phenomenal. They were very game to do whatever I wanted to ask them to do, but they were, I just didn't realize that that is a skill that not a lot of them have. Like they're excellent actors and they're very, very good. But hosting is just like a whole other, it's just like a whole other thing. And so, um, that, that was one thing that I was able to, I didn't, I didn't realize at that moment, I was like, oh, this is something that I can do, or like a few of us can do back and forth. Like we can host, take care of this audience, and then we can also do something in front of the camera and act or, or whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful for that, for that experience. I'm thankful for what it has taught me. And hey, man, like who knows what will happen like five years from now. Maybe it'll be another show. I don't know. Like I'm open to it. I'm open to whatever in terms of that, in that world. But with my acting and creating, I, I feel very purpose-driven with that. Yeah, what's interesting about hosting too is that, and I don't know if you would agree, but I think you, you might, is that you, there's there's a big element of being yourself there, right? Where you get to bring out your personality and, and kind of your your intricacies and tendencies. And, and that's something that I really enjoy about hosting is that, you know, I don't need to pretend to be someone else. I'm, you know, I'm just being myself and, and people see right. me. Um, and, and I've noticed that we were talking about this before we started recording, but you've kind of got, you know, different ways where you express yourself, like playing the guitar and, and hosting and, and acting. And you're talking about, you know, writing and, and, and you know, producing and directing. Um, why do you feel the need to express yourself? Like, what do you get from it? 
Um, it's a great question. Besides a lot of anxiety when you put something out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think there's just, um, I think when you have some, when I have something to say, so if it's like music's not a very, music's more of like a hobby. Um, but sometimes I'll post something, but like, if it's like writing, a, if it's writing something personal and I want to like now create it into a series, it's because I have something to say. Like, I, I, I feel like I want, I, I have something to say and I want this and I want you to hear what I have to say. And I feel like it's a need for me. Now, you might listen to it or watch it and be like, yeah, I didn't need to hear that. That was, that was okay. Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> But for me, it feels like I, I it feels like a necessity uh, for me. So it's not like, oh, this brings me so much joy. I don't know. About, I don't know about that. Right now, it feels like I have this need and I want to say it because right because the other things that I'm doing is not fulfilling that need. You know? Yeah, yeah, I totally um, get it. Yeah, and in terms of hosting, like whether it's like hosting something. Um, for our community or whether it's for like a charity or like um, I usually like to host things that I'm passionate about um, and that are yeah, things that I really care about because then I feel like I think a good host is someone that is, is someone that is a medium between the things that are really important. It's just the thread that, that, that pulls together the program. So I like to approach hosting now, especially on stage as like a selfless thing in a way. It's not like an opportunity to like try out stand up or whatever. Like it's like that, like you want to, you want to engage the audience, but so that they can enjoy the rest of the program because the program that they're there for, at least the stuff that I'm interested in doing is stuff that's bigger than it's like a, a larger cause. It's something that's more, you know, it's like a, it, it's something that like, you know, I want, I want the audience to stay engaged. So, you know, this next speaker I introduce may not be the most dynamic, but wow, they have something important to say. So, if I can keep the energy up, keep the ball up, then 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 you'll be able to pay attention to to the next speaker. So that's how I'm I'm approaching that right now. Something our our buddy Nabil say is uh, being the host is like being a traffic cop. You're just directing everyone to to where they need to be. I like that. Yeah, that's a very it's a good point. That's a, it's a very good good way of looking at it. Yeah. So you talked about uh, your time on Saving Hope and, and my first real exposure to your acting career was in CTV's Saving Hope. Like I was intrigued by the show's premise and, and trailers and decided to watch, not fully knowing that you'd be a part of it. You played uh, Dr. Shahir Hamza, a neurosurgeon with a particularly sterile disposition. I, I don't know if you'd agree on that, uh, that characterization, but... Uh, it's not the only time you've played a, a South Asian doctor, uh, of course, which in real life there are there are many. Uh, and I, I wonder if you uh, you struggle with that type of casting, or like you've said many times, um, you're you're just open to the process and what comes your way. Uh, obviously, it it seems like for many actors, being typecast is is part of the uh, the journey of becoming an actor and finding your way. Yeah, I've played doctors now on screen. I think six or seven different times now. Um, you should get a degree for that. I should. My mom, yeah, I make that joke that my parents are like almost proud. Like, I'm a doctor <laughs> on TV. <laughs> um, but they're, I think, look, I mean, I think each role is something very different. Like this, like, yeah, you know, you put a lab coat on a, on a brown guy. Okay, cool. Like, yeah, stereotypically, it's like that person's a, a a doctor, but like, <clears throat> I think what 
what's interesting about the character on Saving Hope and certainly what happened as the, as the, as the show progressed throughout the five seasons was that it became less about my skills as a neurosurgeon, but more about my struggles um, in a relationship as someone who has Asperger's and, and how as someone who has, as my character has Asperger's is like, you know, how does he use those strengths in his work and how does, how does it kind of like um, come up against him in his work and in his personal life? So it's a wonderful thing to explore. And, and it's a, a, a uh, it's also beautiful to kind of see a lot of those aspects in me and to, and to be able to relate. Cause it's kind of like, you're like, well, I'm not Asperger's. Okay. But then you start playing it and you start going deeper into it. And you're like, wait a minute, like so much of this is me. So much of this is like, like I'm not bringing something foreign on screen. And I, I certainly, that's not my intention. If it ever comes across that way, it's, it's always to bring what's right in me um, and, 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 to, and to pull that out. And I try and do that with all those roles. So on Combat Hospital, I played a guy, like Dr. Dr. Prakash was his name. And uh, he was like, kind of abrasive, kind of like, you know, no nonsense, kind of cocky kind of guy. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I mean, maybe I'm like that. I don't know, but I, I definitely have to pull that out. I was like, okay, like, this is what this guy is. So even though those are two doctor roles, they're very, very different characters and the way they're played are very different characters. Even, even to be honest, where it sits in the voice is very, very different. And so it feels fresh in, in that way. And so if something feels a little stale or like, wow, I've really done this before, then my agent and I will have that conversation and they'll be like, listen, is this worth doing? No, it's not worth doing it. Or yes, you know what? This is a, this is a good thing to, to try and take on because um, this will lead to something else uh, that, 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 where you will be more fulfilled. So, yeah, absolutely. And and I have to say, when we first saw you on um, on Saving Hope and in that character, it was it was it was really impressive because obviously, you know, that, that's probably not something that's easy to do. Um, you know, you, you talked about channeling some of those those aspects in you, but where does that um, lie in terms of the the, the roles and, and the performances that you're most proud of? Because I, I would I would imagine that there was a lot of work that went into playing that character, um, one that obviously started out a, a certain way and, and then ha- ended up growing and had a, a lot of depth to him, but but not one that is, is um, you know, the typical character you're going to be playing. Um, yeah, so thank you. Um, for me, taking on that role was like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? Um, but, yeah, I took a lot of research. Like, I would watch, like, documentaries, and I would watch, like, movies of other actors who have portrayed people of Asperger's. And then I spent a lot of time with the Asperger's Society of Ontario. And I went out. I remember having this... Uh, we all went out for lunch. There was like 30 of us. And it was like, you know, there was like a whole table at this Thai restaurant on Bloor West in Toronto. <clears throat> and I think a lot of the people just thought that I, I had, had Asperger's as well. And, um, but there's such a spectrum. There's such a spectrum. And it's not like, there's like the things that people may want to kind of narrow down and be like, oh, you must have Asperger's. But it's not. It, the, the spectrum is so large and it's actually very nuanced. And so for me, it was more about like, talking to a lot of a lot of the different uh people at, at the table over lunch and then resonating with certain I was like you know what like I I've been that like I resonate with this this person there's one guy that I was speaking to he uh he's obsessed with the cure so we would have a conversation and we're just talking about Thai food and every every time he would just constantly go to the cure constantly go to the cure like 
that constantly go to this band and his knowledge of this band, even if I started talking about like anything else, like I was talking about like this mango salad's great, he'd be like right right back into this, right back <laughs> into the band. I was like, listen, like, you know, if I'm really interested in something, if I'm interested in astronomy, if I'm interested in acting or broadcasting, and that's the thing that I'm comfortable talking about, because, you know, you kind of want to go back to your comfort zone and be like, I want to talk about this. So there were certain aspects that I would be like, okay, I like this, I like this. And I would just sort of shape my character that way. So I am proud of the performance. I mean, I'm proud of all my performances, but I'm proud of that one because it's, it's a long period. It's over five years. I was able to um, help shape the character. I was able to talk about it with the writers and even, even with the costume department and like just, and the producers just try to like, really get a better and deeper and deeper understanding of who this who this character is so by the time we got to like season four there was so much more to draw upon it wasn't just this guy who has asperger's who's gay who's a neurosurgeon it was about this man named shahir hamza who happens to be a surgeon he happens to be gay he happens to be asperger's he's a full flesh he's like a, a full he's a human being and he deals with emotions and relationships and stress of being in a, in a, in a high pressure job, like a lot of people might deal with. So, um, in that sense, it's like a, it was really important and exciting and exciting to take on, to take on, to take on a role like that. And I, I am very proud of that one. I don't know if I'm like the most proud of that one. It's hard to pick one. Um, because I don't want to, I feel like everything that I do, I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't think I'm trying to mail. I don't think I've, I'm not at the level yet that I've sort of mailed something in. And if something feels <laughs> yeah. like I mailed it in, it was not the intention at all. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like picking right. like you're picking right. children, right? You, exactly. you can't pick a favorite child. Zan, before you yeah. jump in here, uh, I just wanted to say that, you know, the fact that you were looking for commonalities and, and obviously that's part of the 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 acting profession is to find where you can relate. But the fact that you're finding commonalities is in that role is, is, is an inspiring message and is, is one that we need, I think, uh, today in that show, you know, being over, but, you know, still quite relevant in that, you know, people should be looking for the ways that they're, they're, they're like people that are different from them as opposed to um, just kind of shying away because they're different. So, now to move on to something a little different that, that I, I saw that you had been doing uh, stand-up comedy uh, through your Instagram. Yeah. How did you get started? That's a completely different skill set. I know it's, it's yeah. similar to hosting in a way, but uh, how'd you get into that? Is that something you're still doing right now? Um, I haven't done it. I, well, not recently because I'm like at home. I'm probably doing it at the dinner table. <laughs> My family's like, shut up. Instagram um, live. That's, that's the place yeah. to do it now. No laughs, though. Yeah, no laughs. Like, you need the laughs. You need the right environment. Um, stand-up was like, I I did it, like, I try. I, I did, like, well, I did it one or two times when I was hosting, like, way back in the day. And it was good. I, had like a, I, had a, I remember I had, like, two really, I think I did it three times. And two of them were great. And one of them was, like, yeah, not good. Um, but then I left it because I was, I already started acting. And I was still, like, I was just busy doing that. Um, and then I was spending, and then like, you know, cut to like seven, eight years later, I'm in LA and just there, like, you know, auditioning. And there was like a lot of time in between and I just did not feel productive. I'd already started writing. I'd already started doing improv and I was like, what can I do? And I felt like the writing, I'm like waiting for my agent to get back to me or, or waiting for like someone to give me feedback on the script. 
improv was like, I'm waiting for like the next class or like a group of our improv team to kind of come together to take the next performance. But I felt like stand up was something I was like, look, I, I don't have to wait for anybody. Like I can write my material on my own. And if I'm not writing my material, I can, go, I can just go to an open mic and just start performing. And so that's what I did. Like I remember taking a, a class. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do this. I wanna understand as much as I can about this. And I just sort of dove into it in LA. And it, became, it just came out of like a place of like, I was scared. Part of, part of me was like, I, I love, I love standup. Like I, I, like I love it. But there was a sort of like, I don't know if you guys have ever felt this, but like as a host, you, you have the mic and there's like, there's, you have an audience. You're like, well, this is like stand up. This thing's, I could do it. I could do it. And I remember just thinking by myself in LA, like, can I do it? Am I just lying to myself? <laughs> like, am I sort of like, just cause I'm a host on TV or on stage, does that make me a stand up comedian? Really? Like, are you serious right now? Who's so then I was like, no, you're going to go do this. And let's just see if you've got what it takes. And then it was like, an uphill battle, um, but then it started. Then I, I feel like I had like a you know, I've got a really good seven minutes. It's amazing. Uh, seven That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not forty-five at the ten-minute mark. You're like, okay, buddy, I think it's time to get up. But it was more about like honing that seven minutes over and over again, and just kind of stay, sticking with it. And it became a thing that I just loved doing while I was in LA because it was there was like I wasn't acting as much down there. Um, I, cause it's, it's, when I, when I was getting started in LA, it was not, it was just, it was just a slow start. And so I was like, I need to feel productive. And this made me feel productive. And then I started doing it and it, it kind of like, it's like, it's just like a thing that's there now. I, I don't know if it's like a thing that I'm constantly, I don't know. Yeah. It comes and goes. Sometimes I get the itch and I'm like, I gotta go out and go do it. I need to go do it. And then, or I need to write this joke right now or write this bit. Um, I did this thing for CBC um, uh, a few months ago. It was like, a, it's on CBC Gem, but it's called the Top 10 event. It's kind of like a TED Talk. And I, I incorporated a lot of what I had learned with my experience in LA in terms of how to convey a thought or like a meaningful thought with humor so that it could be digested, it could be digested well. And I'm, I'm really proud of that speech. It's not a stand-up bit, but it's like, it's like about 12 minutes, but it's a speech. But there's a lot in there that, I'm, that I know would not have been as good if I did not have the experience that I, that I, that I had in LA. Yeah, that makes sense. And any time that I've hosted or emceed anything, it is imperative to me that I include comedy in that hosting just because it is a way for people to relate, right? One, it's not dry. It changes you know, things up. It changes yeah. the cadence up a little bit. But, but also... Um, you know, being self-deprecating and, and making jokes of, of things that are difficult to allows people to, to, to relate to it. So yeah, co comedy is, 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 is important for sure. We need it. Uh, we need it in the times that we're living in right now. And uh, my brother-in-law just started doing stand-up over the last six months. And every time I saw him on stage, I, I was thinking, well, I, I'm, I'm good with a mic. I've, I'm good on stage. I could probably do this. And then when do I it. just, it's just when I thought about like, writing it and, and getting up there and then it not necessarily landing. I was like, Oh, I don't know if I can do this, but I want to, I want to give it a shot. Oh my God. I do it. And let me know when you do it. Just yeah. do it. Just <laughs> I will. Yeah. Just go and do it and be like, whatever. It's over. Um, one thing that I, you, you kind of alluded to that acting was 
sort of a conscious um, decision for you. It was something that you've put more kind of thought into, whereas the, the broadcasting kind of evolved on its own. Did you have a, a big break that kind of really changed your career? Um, I mean, I'm a strong believer in, in people making their own big breaks by putting in the work. And it certainly seems like you did that by, you know, pursuing acting while working on TV. But is there one thing that sticks out to you about getting your chance um, or what maybe changed your mind to pursue it even harder? Um, so I think, first of all, let me just speak about the break. I don't I, I just don't think there is such a thing as a big break because I think it's such a perspective thing. You know what I mean? So I'm, listen, like when I look back, I'm like, whoa, I've done like all this television, I've done these, these many series or whatever, whatever, whatever the, the numbers are. But I'm still, I don't, I'm not satisfied with, with it. I'm very grateful for those experiences and I'm happy where I'm at, but I, I know there's so much more I want to do and there's so much more that I can do. So you know, maybe I'll get that break and then it's like, oh, but then it's just that. So I don't know if there's like one of, one of those things. Um, but in terms of like, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I think, like, are you, are you asking if it's, if it's um, like, what is, what was the break or are you asking? Yeah. Well, if there was something that you see as kind of changing your trajectory, so to speak, like that, you know, you, you talked about momentum before we started recording here that, you know, prior to yeah, yeah. the COVID stuff, you, you, you know, you had a lot of momentum and, and that's a good thing. You know, where yeah. did that momentum really start to pick up where you could kind of see that, hey, hey, maybe I've got a chance here. Right, right, right. I see what you're saying. Um, you know, with the acting stuff, I think, I think with, um, I think right around like the, the first couple of seasons of Call Me Fits, once that happened, then Combat Hospital happened at the same time. And then when Combat Hospital got canceled, I got Saving Hope. So it was sort of like the ball came in. So the ball just kept rolling. So right around that time, I was like, okay, like I can, I can do this. I can, and I think it was also like, <laughs> I think I'm like, you know, like when you start like, like financially, there's some, there's some markers where you feel like, okay, like I, I'm, I'm making as much as I was or more than when I was broadcasting. So those are certain markers that I, that I would use my use, use to compare. I just don't think they're fair markers, but certainly I, it did cross my mind at those at those times. But looking back at it, it just feels like, look, what was the break? If I didn't go into broadcasting, then I wouldn't have had the the drive to go act and sort of try this you know play called Thirty Dates. I don't know if I would have had the agent that I had because the agent is the one that was like recommended to me because this casting director knew me as a television host, like all these things kind of all kind of connected everything just connected nothing really feels independent of of from the journey or off it's not like this is completely separate all of it feels very much in line but when you're in it it doesn't and when you're in it it's like this feels fresh and new <laughs> but it's not like looking back you're like oh it's because of this this happened because of this this happened yeah so you what know? can you tell um, people in the creative uh you know realm about uh, sort of the journey and, and sticking to it and, and not maybe looking too far ahead and, and putting in the work? Like, what's your philosophy there? My philosophy is, um, uh, my philosophy is, and this is going to sound so like, I mean, every single, every single like, like guru, whatever, motivational person has probably said it, but it's true that you're given talent. I feel like Will Smith has said this, but you're given talent. Like, this is your talent. This is your God-given talent or whatever 
talent, this is your talent, great. Um, that'll take you to a certain point, but then it's hard work and persistence. And that's what you have in your control is the hard work and persistence. And if you don't put in the hard work and persistence, your talent will only take you so far. If you have very little talent, your hard work and persistence, and also being a team player, because in this profession, it's very much a team sport. It's a collaborative medium, and people want to work with people that they like working with. That's also a very important thing, especially like in television, where it's like a marathon. You, you know, like a TV series will last for like you know six months, nine months. It's like you know half the year at least, you know, at least for a one-hour drama, and then maybe the second season and third. So you're working with the same people for a good chunk of the time, like you know, twelve-hour days, that kind of thing. They want to work with good people. You can be very talented, but if you're not a good person to be around, then they're going to be like, we can't, like, no, we can't do this. We can't, we can't do this. So I think those are the things that really come into play. So know what you want. You know, I want to be this. Great. Then it's the hard work and persistence. And it's just, you just got to keep, you just got to keep going. I also want to say this. Sometimes, you know, look, if you can make an income in this, great. But I just don't think that should be the, the I just don't think, especially in the arts, because it's such a subject, subjective medium, like what is good art? What is not good art? What's the hot thing right now? What's not the hot thing right now? Like these things are out of our control. So if that's something you want to do and that's something you want to pursue, go pursue it. But if you need extra money because you need to make a mortgage payment, that's okay. Go get a job. Like it's fine. Your job doesn't have to be your career. Let the art be your career and let that. But if you need supplemental income, that's, I just want to say that because I know that is such a big thing as artists that we feel like, oh, I don't know if I should go get this thing because this doesn't mean that I'm really serious about my work. You can 100% be serious about your work and 100% be persistent and work hard and, and cultivate that talent and take class and do all those things. But listen, man, if you need to pay your phone bill, go, also go do that. You know, also, also if there's, no, there's absolutely no shame in that at, at all. I know you didn't ask that, but I wanted to say that. Oh, that's a great point. Um, so we've got a couple more questions for you before we let you go. I know you've been holding your phone up for us to see you for like 40 minutes here, so we won't keep you too much longer. Sam, go ahead. Uh, so you were recently on our show called How to Buy a Baby, uh, short oh, film, yeah. episodic. Uh, it's still going on in that show? A web series, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. So I just did the first season. That was a recurring on the first season of that, and I think they did two seasons. They might get a third. Mm-hmm. It's very good, by the way. It's very, very good. Like, yeah, it yeah. is. The episodes are only 10 minutes long. And uh, what yeah. was the experience uh, doing sort of a, a short web series like that? Do you think that's, we're going to see more of that. There's a new platform launching called, I think it's called Quibi or Quibi. That's right. Quibi. So yeah. do you, do you see uh, short 10 minute, 15 minute shows? There's, there's a couple on Netflix as well that are short like that as well. Do you see that as being more sustainable and as, as sort of a way of the future or a new sort of uh length of show now we're seeing we see 23 minutes we see 45 minutes an hour and now are we going to start seeing 10 minute shows now too yeah well i think with quibi for sure like there's some like heavy hitters that are putting together some programming for that um for that platform and i think it's an experiment but i think it's smart in a sense that you know i like i like slow burns i like a movie that's i love move i love film and cinema that like Mo- I love moments. I want to. I want to experience what the what the characters going through. I want to. I want to see like imagery and beautiful cinematography. 
my nephews are kind of like, let's get this thing going. <laughs> they're, they're like burning through TV on their telephones and their tablets. Um, I don't think anything's dead. I just think it's an addition. I just think it's in addition to what is available. So just like there's network comedies that are like, um, you know, like a, like a multicam comedy, like Two and a Half Men or Mom or that. Then there's like, you know, single cam comedies, like, you know, and then there's, then there's like the HBO comedies and then there's streaming stuff. It's just in addition. It's just like another platform that's out there that will be just for you to choose, you know? Um, I read something that people feel a sense of accomplishment when they run through a series. It's like an accomplishment. It's like, ah, I finished that thing. As opposed to I'm invested in this character and the moments of, of what's going, of, of what they're going through. So I, you know, what's interesting is I don't know if in a 10 minute, see, I don't know, is this like me being an old man here? But I don't know if like in 10 minutes, do you get the full experience of what, what's happening, the emotional depth of what this particular character may go through? Maybe, you know, maybe like, you know, maybe like my nephew's like, you have a 17 year old nephew. Maybe he's like, yeah, man, I just needed that. You know, what took you two minutes to really feel, I got that in six seconds. So like, let's go. Yeah. So, it's a bit of know, trickery, right? Like you're saying, people like to to accomplish the binging and finishing a season, so they're just yeah. tricking you into watching 60 minutes at once, just in in six different episodes. So it's uh, because there's a lot there in in, in the season for sure. But I, you know, it's interesting too because you know you're you're recently on and are I'm assuming continuing, but you can correct us if we're wrong. Um, on CBC and Hulu's Utopia Falls, and yeah, um, you know that's a 45 minute show compared to the 10 minute uh, show that was how how to buy a baby, and and so on. Mm-hmm. How to buy a baby? We see you for for 30 seconds to a minute per per show, maybe yeah, or 30 yeah. seconds, and then yeah. you're you're done. Whereas Utopia Falls, even though you're kind of supporting character there, you're 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 sort of a bigger part of an episode, right? And and so it's kind of just those the, the different facets of 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 what you're doing. Um, as far as Utopia Falls goes, I have yeah, to yeah. say, as far as first scenes go in a in a show for an actor, that was one of the better ones. And it's not a spoiler, but you walk into a room perched atop a platform like you own the room, and I, I don't know, that must have felt pretty good, regardless of what the character is doing, hey? Dude, that show is that show is such a gift, and for so many reasons. Um, First of all, that character, I've, I've never played someone like that before. I'm like an authoritarian. I'm like not nice to these kids who are part of, you know, the show takes place in the future. It's like these 16-year-old kids who are part of this talent competition. And I'm, I'm the head of the, 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 the academy and I'm not very nice, nice to them. And it was like, it was actually a lot of fun to play. Um, it was also very cool to be part of a show that I feel like is, is saying something. It's like a, teen drama but it's also like talking about culture and it's talking about like you know um there's references to the civil rights movements there's like so many references to hip-hop culture um indigenous culture like it's it's wonderful um but the best thing about it is one of my best friends man he's like my guy he's like my brother he it's his show it's his show and it's like such a gift it's like this thing entire world came out of his head and it I can't tell you how surreal it is to play a character that came out of one of your best friends' mind. And it's that, that in itself was, I had to audition for it as well, by the way. Wow. <laughs> <clears throat> no, but he, 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 it's like Hulu had to sign off on it ultimately in the end, but, but it's such a cool, it, I was really, really proud to be a part of that. And yes, that first scene is like a huge, like this big monologue. I'm like, really? This is like, 
And it was the first day on set. I'm like, this is what I'm doing. Um, but and Snoop Dogg's on the show too. And Snoop's in the show. The voice of Snoop Dogg's <laughs> in the show. Yeah. As soon as I heard it, I, I sent a, a text to Shahid saying, Snoop. <laughs> I was He's so excited. And I, I can't wait to see more of it and uh, hear, hear more of you and, and hear more of Snoop. Cause uh, yeah, big fan grew up obviously. And what, yeah, I, I don't know if you've had a chance to meet Snoop cause he's probably doing it in a voice studio in LA somewhere, but uh, does it feel cool to, to be on, like be on the same call sheet as Snoop Dogg? <laughs> yeah. Like it's Snoop Dogg. It's crazy. Um, I have not met him. Um, even as like, even when I've interviewed different artists and stuff like that, I, I've not, I've not met him. Um, but yeah, it's insane to be for sure. It's like, yeah, man, like Snoop's in this thing. RT, the director has directed a couple of Snoop's videos. Um, uh, I think he's done at least two of them. So they have a relationship. And so they, so that's, so that's how that happened. Like, and he even like, here's a funny thing. I was like, because uh, the on the script it would it would just say the voice of the archive. So I was sitting in the edit suite with RT because I just wanted to see what was going on. What was going on? I was like, I just wanted to be a part of the process and just just sort of proud of him. I was like, hey man, who uh, who's playing the voice of the archive? And he just looked over. It was like this. Who's playing the voice of the archive? He's like, Snoop. <laughs> oh my god, it's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. That's so awesome. I'm like, that's oh. just awesome. And he's like, he's like, let's just see. What, he, and he just said, let's just ask and. He said, yeah, that's what happened. They just asked. And he's like, yep, I want to do it. It's amazing what happens when you ask for things, right? I know. Yeah, really cool. So what, what are some of your biggest highlights from both your broadcast journalism and creative careers? And on the flip side, what have been some of the biggest challenges you've had to deal with? Um, the, so highlights for sure as a broadcaster has been, um, has been um, some highlights. Well, listen, I've interviewed some awesome people. Like I think, but I've had like two really long interviews with Beyonce. That was crazy. So cool. Um, and you know, like they were, the interviews were like within a month. So it was like a half hour interview in New York and then a few weeks passed. And then she came again in Toronto for another half hour. So she's like, yeah, I remember you. I don't know if she remembers me. I like to think that she remembers me. It was awesome when she said that. Um, and I remember having this conversation with her. It was like a nice vibe. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is how naive I was. Like, this is a nice vibe. I'm interviewing Beyonce. This is so cool. And she's kind of looking. She's smiling. And in my mind, this will go to her mind. I think Beyonce likes me. I, <laughs> I, holy crap. This is crazy. I think, oh my God, I think Jay-Z's out of the picture now. And it's going to be Beyonce. And it was, this is, okay. I, this is awesome. I can't, I can't wait to. And of course, it was just, she's just a, a really sweet, sweet artist who was just gave me, she was very gracious at the time. No, there had that to be something to it. There had to be something to it. <laughs> There had to be. Thank you, Shay. I appreciate it. Um, I got a chance to cover um, Obama's election when he won. So I was in Grant Park, Chicago, uh, when he won the election, and I did That's that so for CTV and eTalk here uh, in Canada. I don't know where the podcast is going, but yeah, in eTalk. Uh, so that was a huge highlight, and plus that was one of those highlights that like I made that one happen. Like I was following Obama's career as a senator. Like I read his books and. Myself and um, I think it was uh, it was with a couple of producers, but my friend Paul, um, who was one of the producers on Star, which is E Canada now, was like we were sort of following it. I was like, "Hey man, I'm taking my vacation time and I'm going on to Chicago." He's like, "Let's go, let's do it." So then I asked the producers, "I'm like, um, do you think we could uh, get media passes?" 
And they're like, no, you can't just get media passes. They're like, well, you, he's like, you have, and she, they were even like, we're not really thinking about covering it. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to take my vacation time and I'm just going to go. They're like, you're going to go? I'm like, yeah, man, I just want to be in the city when this happens. I don't care where I'm at. I'm talking about a deep dish restaurant. I don't care where I am. I'm going. They're like, you're just going. I'm like, yeah. So I'll take off like, you know, November 1st or whatever off. Like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And then they put together a team. They sent the team down. We all got in. We were in Grand Park, covered it, interviewed a bunch of people. Met Common, which was so sick, um, and Jesse Jackson. And it was like, it was just such a surreal time. And then you're watching Obama say his victory speech. It was just crazy. Um, and it was for work. And, and we did it for work. And I felt like we did, a, we did a really good job. So that was a huge highlight. Um, and in terms of acting, the highlights, I think, were... Um, for saving hope, for sure, the research, the research I got, I got, that I got a chance, like the, it's a gift when you get to research a character. And so the lunch with, um, actually, well, guys, hold on for one second. This phone is realized might like die on us, which is going to be the worst. Hang on. All good. No worries. We're almost done here. Hang, hang on, on, hang on. No, no, it's okay. Um, there we go. Is that better? Oh my God. Jeez Louise. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm alive. You guys are alive. Is this okay? Yeah, it's all good. All good. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Um, on Saving Hope, not only was that lunch great with the Asperger Society of Ontario, but I got a chance to witness two neurosurgeries. So I was on the floor, like two feet away from surgeons, and I got a chance to watch like just this incredible work. And, you know, it's, for them, it's their job very calm under 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 in these circumstances in these circumstances these high pressure circumstances because it's everything is like micromillimeters away in the brain like if you just like if you nudge your hand the wrong way like it, like i remember this one one surgeon dr timiansky literally said hey actor boy take a look at the screen and i'm looking at the screen and he's like you see my you see you see, see my instrument i'm like he's like point, he's like pointing this instrument in this woman's brain and she's like and she's like asleep She's like, you know, she's gone under. It's like, that's her optic nerve. Now, if I hit that, she won't be able to open her eyes ever again. Isn't that crazy? I'm like, yeah, man, don't hit <laughs> yeah. that. Stop don't talking to that. me and just do your Stop job. Stop talking to me. Yeah. Do your job, exactly. <laughs> and the other one was, was um, that, so that, that one was, she had an aneurysm and they were like um, dealing with her aneurysm. They're clipping her aneurysm so she doesn't, doesn't have one. And the other one was for this Parkinson's patient. And his, he had to be awake for this entire thing. So the, his, skull was off of his head he's like laying back and they're sending electrical rods they're sending rods and an electrical current through the rod into the brain so that they it would handle his parkinson's tremors and so they would they would um increase the amount of electricity essentially that would go down to his brain and it would he would have to tell us whether or not it was he could tolerate it or not so they'd go to like level one how you doing he's like i'm pretty good uh, level two, I'm pretty I'm okay. Level three, ah, I'm feeling kind of nauseous. Go back to level two. Oh, my stomach feels better. Wow, it's like, it's a bizarre thing. Um, and that I think is a was a. I just don't. Yeah, I, I got a chance to do that, and that's because of because acting, you know. And I got a chance, obviously, to work with a lot of wonderful people, and um, you know, a lot of people who are great friends, and those are all highlights, personal highlights, but. Stuff like that, I think, really stand out for me. Yeah, and, and there's the similarity between journalism and acting, right? You really get to see some some cool things that happen in real life and, and then apply them to your craft, which is 
which is a pretty cool thing. So um, yeah. we've got one more here for you. You talked about um, you know, working on some of your own stuff, you know, getting TV shows made. Um, you, you've directed and written shorts, right, and, and, and other things. What, where do you want to go on that side of, uh, of things? And, and do you have anything that uh, you're working on right now, both on the acting and sort of writing, producing, directing side? Um, so acting-wise right now, I'm in this little cartoon. It's really cute called Mira Royal Detective. It's like a Disney Junior cartoon. Um, and I play a recurring character on that. So we just got picked up for a second season. So that's like a, and that is like a, 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 I feel like an important show. It's like Disney's first ever all South Asian cast and South Asian show. And so, so that's happening. Um, in terms of writing, I've got a couple projects that I'm developing. So I have one that is, uh, that's sort of like there, and there are different stages. But there's one that we're we're we're, we're in the pitching stage, and um, that is is with my friend Rizwan, and we've we've got that one that we're doing together. And what I want to get out of it is, like one of them I would love to be in, and the other one it's not even about being in. It, I just feel like it's a great story, and it's something again. It's more about like my voice or our voice that we want to kind of we have something to say, but we think it's you know entertaining and funny and but we want to we want to present it in that way. So it's not necessarily about being an actor in that thing, but it's more about developing the skills and developing the muscle, like making that writing muscle stronger. So that's sort of where that's at. Um, but but yeah, like sometimes when when I'm writing, it's more like this would be fun to be in, and this would be a fun thing to to put out. And I I just feel like I'm. I'm exploring both those sides right now. Yeah, absolutely. My brother-in-law Imran and I, um, we just finished up the first draft of a, a feature-length comedy, and and that's something that uh, I don't I I don't have any designs on wanting to direct or produce. It's it's more that we just think the story is a, is a good story, a funny story, and and like you said, we're we're flexing those writing muscles, making sure that you know we are are improving and getting better at, at our crafts but we also do think it, it's good and somebody will want to make it so hopefully when it's ready to put out there um somebody will want it. to make send it. it send it when it's done send it yeah send absolutely it. we're we're getting to a point it. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you know what I could could definitely see you in it um anyways thanks thanks for spending so much time with us um an hour here already and and um you know we really appreciate your your candor for first of all but then also obviously taking the time out of your day to to spend some time with us and and i know a lot of people who are interested in these these types of things will find this valuable because your perspective is 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 solid and and i don't necessarily know if everyone has that type of perspective so thank you so much i appreciate you saying that thank you very thanks for having me both of you so nice to see you guys Great to see you, man. Well, hopefully we can get to, once we're through this, get a chance to catch up in person, whether here, Toronto, LA, once we can travel again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. What a great guy who's, uh, you know, I could talk to him about anything always. He could be, like you said, a third co-host on this show and and I'm sure we'll get him back soon. Oh, for sure. I'm I, excited to, to chat with him again and probably we'll run into him next time I, I'm in Toronto. Uh tend to always run into him there. And uh, yeah, great guy. Great guy to chat with and just an overall chill guy and uh, just just someone that that I, I would also like to just hang out with more. Yeah, for sure. And uh, he ended up coming on uh, my Instagram jam session, Instagram concert, uh, you know, a few weeks back when this COVID quarantine really took took hold on our lives and you know i needed something to express myself uh 
outside of the podcast, uh, I, I started playing the guitar again and, and he's a, he's a guitar player like we talked about and, and he decided to sing some songs, one of his own, which was really amazing, like a great songwriter from that one song that I heard. So hopefully um, we'll be able to do that again and do this again. But uh, another big thanks to, to Husmadav G for joining us. Go follow him on social media, doing some great stuff, um, you know, on the Black Lives Matter movement. But also uh, you can follow his, his journey uh, from now up until when he comes back on the show. For sure. And uh, don't forget to follow us on social media, on Twitter at Unanchored Pod. Uh, Facebook on at unanchored podcasts, Instagram on anchored podcasts. Uh, and that's right. That's all of our social media channels. That's all. And then uh, everything, all the episodes, uh, video and audio are at unanchoredpodcast.ca. And share if you're, uh, if you're enjoying it, let your friends and family know. Really appreciate it. If you want to leave a, a comment on any of those channels or better yet, a rating on, on iTunes or, or wherever you listen to the podcast, that'd be That'd be super helpful. And um, yeah, tune in again next time. Zam, anything else to say or, or is that it? Can I get back to tending to my sick <laughs> wife and children? <laughs> before before we wrap up, last thing I want to say is thanks to everyone that has listened and the, the feedback that we're getting for the podcast. Uh, everyone I run into that has listened to it says that it's really good and had a, had, had a really nice comment from uh, my fiance's dad, uh, Len. He said that he's re- been really enjoying, really enjoying uh, listening to the podcast, and even got a television recommendation from Tamara Taggart from that that episode when uh, she was talking about the the morning show on Apple TV. So, yeah, keep on listening, keep on enjoying, keep on sharing it, and uh, send us some feedback if uh, you get this far deep into the episode. All right. Well, we'll talk to everybody again soon. Take care. Thanks.